Wisdom Ways is all about living from the true power of who you are. Marianne Williamson once said, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. If that is true, then how can we let go of those fears and become one with our authentic power? Speaking from personal experience, insights, and stories of awareness, Richard Schultz, spiritual healer and guide, invites you to take a courageous journey with him to finally let go of your deepest fears and embrace inner power beyond measure. Get prepared to travel to the inner spaces that will expand your awareness, freedom, and mastery of life. Hi, and thank you so much for tuning in to Wisdom Ways to Living from Your True Power. I'm your host, Richard Schultz, and this podcast series is about plugging into your authentic power and stopping the energy leakages in your life. It's about becoming whole in the truth of who you are. It is a spiritual path that is useful no matter what religion or non-religious beliefs you have. Wholeness is about claiming all of your lost capacities so that you can powerfully live a life of profound, positive impact following your purpose, and fulfilling your goals with ease. It is about raising your inner vibration so that you can live in sustained happiness, abundance, success, and joy. It is also about coming home to the authentic truth and the source of you. This is not an intellectual journey of the head. This is a journey of the heart, and it involves processing emotions and reprogramming the mind. Embracing shadow or doing wholeness work is about integrating those lost or rejected parts of ourselves. Some traditions might call it soul retrieval. In this podcast today, we're going to talk about the concept of masters and gurus that help us on our path to embrace truth and become free of this illusion. We're also going to talk about the shadows with respect to the archetype of master and the work that all masters or experts must eventually do to fully claim the power of the master or guru within. My sense is that if you are not diligent in doing this shadow work, our shadows will be used by the negative ego and will cause the master to fall from the heights from which they have perceived to attain. Some might call this spiritual ego, and also spiritual bypassing. I was fortunate to have been introduced to several people that became my spiritual masters for a time. I did not knowingly search them out like some people did. I did not go in search of a guru or enlightened one that some traditions say you must do. However, even though I was not looking for masters, They showed up at just the right time to take me to a new level of truth and understanding that I would not have attained without them. I suspect I will meet many more such masters in this lifetime as I continue to grow and evolve. It might have been more efficient if I had done like some other people and traditions and sought out a master. I don't know. If it was meant to happen that way, I guess it would have and I would have been given the desire somehow to seek out a master. I have a friend that spent years in transcendental meditation following the Maharaji. Others have gone off to India to seek out an important guru at some ashram. That was not my path or in my desires. 
Instead, I just seemed to follow my intuition and life synchronicities that seemed to lead me to the right book, the right workshop, or the right master at what seemed like the right time. The environment and experience of India itself seemed to invite me into transformation, and I felt little desire to go to an ashram for teachings. The teachers were brought to me. But yes, I'm often a little lazy in walking this spiritual path, so seeking out a master or a coach of my choosing to, re- to direct me might have been a better path. I'll never know. Everyone we meet that has a message or experience for us is, in a sense, a master for us. In the podcast about mirrors of relationship that I did a while back, I talked about the master in the moment, where anyone that triggers you could be considered a master reflection that is showing you your gap from unconditional love. Without a contrast that gives you an awareness of where you are not in peace, how could you ever know those aspects of yourself that were not peaceful? These people, these souls, are the perfect teachers to guide us into awareness in that moment, should we choose to honor that experience, forgive, and find the real truth and gifts behind the experience or the projections that we are making. I've had perhaps thousands of these masters in the moment, as I guess you have too, even if you don't think of them that way. It may have been a colleague, a teacher, a child, or even a stranger that says some profound words to you or does some action that affects you deeply and changes your life, even just a little. Beyond these masters in the moment, we also seem to naturally attract or associate in relationships that create deep learning for a much longer period of time. These masters may take on the form of teachers, mentors, bosses, colleagues, friends, parents, lovers, or spouses. They are much more important figures for us in our life. Our lives would not have been the same without their influence and impact. They shape our thoughts, our beliefs, and our actions long after they are absent from our lives. They are truly masters for us in our lives. Even if our experience with them was perceived as a negative experience, through forgiveness and shadow work, we can restore those experiences and turn it into a gift with them as the masterful being or soul that gave us the experience so that we may grow. Even if an experience seemed bad, and that person may not have been acting in healthy, loving ways, there is always an opportunity for us to change our perception of what happened and use this experience to do good and be more whole. It is possible to shift our perception to gratitude and innocence for them and ourselves. Innocence for everyone is the real truth, even if it is not apparent at the time. But I want to talk about another type of master. Maybe it is an illusion to really separate and rank the importance of any master, for they are all part of a whole system of life experience on our path. But in this podcast, I'm going to talk about someone that comes forth or you select as a spiritual guru or master. I'm going to talk about some of my own experiences here and relate them to the idea of shadow and some of my own caution and resistance to masters and gurus. When I first went to India, 
I was in search of truth and spiritual connection. I didn't just want to believe. I wanted to know. I had a sense, even before I left on this journey, that I might meet someone that would guide me towards this truth. But I was surprised by who showed up to teach and guide me. And in some respects, I still haven't figured it all out. If you've been listening to my past podcasts, you you will remember me talking about a woman named Susan. She was an English-born woman that had been living in the USA. I met Susan in a place called Dharamsala, where the exiled Tibetan government is in India. It was a rainy day, and I was walking down the mountain to go to a teaching on meditation by a high Tibetan lama. I was in a hurry because other tourists had told me that the room fills up and I might not get a place unless I got there early. On the way down the hill to the Tibetan library, where the meditation was, I saw a woman walking before me. A voice within me told me to stop and talk to her. I ignored that inner voice this time because this woman was walking way too slow and I might not find a space at the meditation. I had my own agenda. I rapidly walked past her and noticed that she had turned towards me to greet me as I ignored this gesture and scooted by. My inner voice kept telling me that I should have stopped, so I argued with that voice a bit on the way down. When I got to the room where the event was being held, it was completely empty. I was early. There were cushions scattered throughout the room for seating, so I chose one to sit on and wait. Then I noticed a single maroon-colored cushion beside me in a room full of gray ones. I decided to shift my position and sit on that one and waited some more. The room began to fill, and just as other tourists had said, the room completely filled with a barely any space left. Just before the Lama came in with this interpreter, the woman that I had passed on the road walked in, came directly over to me, and said, I'm sorry, sir, you are sitting on my cushion. Such is the way I got introduced to this master that changed my perspective on life. Susan was quite an accomplished character. She was a healer, herbologist, made jewelry, was an author, a self-styled historian, and had very different perspectives than anyone I'd ever met in life. She had been living in Dharamsala for the past three months, healing monks and nuns. We first connected on the subject of Egypt and the mystery of the pyramids, and our conversations deepened and widened from there. Susan had off-the-charts, new-age-like thinking and beliefs, which I had not encountered before. She began to teach me about many things, and in our month of travel together, demonstrated her connection to an inner power that I did not yet grasp or understand. She was clairvoyant, and she was clairaudient. At first, I projected angelic-like qualities onto Susan. She had amazing wisdom and knowledge and capacities of healing that were beyond my belief system at that time. I knew that she was the reason I'd been guided to India and Dharamsala, 
I had known that there was something that would happen there, someone that I might meet. Susan was that master that I was to meet that would help me answer my inner quest for meaning and truth. I knew it. But it was not easy for me with Susan. I quickly put Susan on a pedestal of my own making. If she had all these capabilities and I wasn't away sent to meet her here, then she must embody truth. She must be perfect. That was naive. Within a few days, as quickly as I had put her onto the pedestal, I started to take her off. I started to judge her very human qualities and knock her down off the pedestal I had created for her. Because she did not live up to my crazy expectations of what a master should look like, I judged her harshly. In my mind, God should not have sent me an angel with such faults. (laughs) It turns out that Susan was the perfect master for me. She not only taught me many new ideas which began to shape my new worldview and answer my inner questions, but she also became that master in the moment for me several times a day as she triggered me constantly. I was angry a large part of the time with her as I projected my own inner wounds and limiting beliefs onto her. Susan taught me some simple tools of forgiveness at that time to help me transform and heal these feelings. She taught me about this mirror in the moment and how to forgive and let go. Through her masterful instruction and mirroring, I began to expand and grow like I never had before. It was a wild trip. We're going to take a break right now. And after the break, I'm going to talk more about my experience with this master called Susan and some other puzzling mirrors that she presented to me that have taken me years to understand, if indeed I understand them now. I now have a better understanding of these other behaviors in here and in most masters that I would eventually attract into my life afterwards because I can now view those behaviors through the framework of shadow and wholeness. This has been helpful. See you after the break. You're busy. Your life is hectic. But if you take just a few minutes every day for yourself, you can improve your relationships, health, success, and self-esteem. All you need to do is join Richard Schultz for his online course, The Refreshing Beliefs Method. You'll learn how to release fears and how to use your whole mind to achieve your goals toward a better life. Join Richard Schultz online today at refreshingbeliefs.com. Get back in charge of your life. That's online at refreshingbeliefs.com. Welcome back to the second half of Wisdom Ways to Living from Your True Power. We've been talking about the archetype of the master or guru. I've been sharing my story of Susan, a healer that I met in India in 1997. This master that somehow was arranged to meet me changed the whole trajectory of my life. I would not be doing the work I do now if it was not for this character called Susan. I'm in deep gratitude to have met her and had the experiences I did with her. Just before the break, I alluded to some other behaviors of Susan that continued to puzzle me for years. 
Those other behaviors is what this podcast is about. As with other podcasts, this podcast is about the hidden shadows. And without this framework of shadow, I could never have understood Susan and the other so-called masters in my life. So what were these other behaviors? Well, I guess they were not so different than the other behaviors that had triggered me about Susan and where I, I had judged her and knocked her off the pedestal that I put her on. The difference was the intensity and the degree of the fault with which I judged her. Susan was, in my perspective, at that time, very racist. At times, she was also cruel and almost violent with people. I mean, for someone who taught about love and forgiveness, she at times was extremely out of integrity with what she was teaching. I saw a contrast within her that she did not see and could not see. Sometimes I saw her as almost evil in nature. At times, I was deeply dis disturbed and frightened by this. I wondered if she was a wolf in sheep's clothing, or, more appropriately, the devil dressed up as an angel. In fact, before I left Canada, my very religious sister said, if I went to India, I'd be tempted by the devil. <laughs> Susan was my own personal devil. At the time, I did not have a container or framework to explain these extreme shifts of personality within her. However, even though I could not reconcile this light and dark within Susan, it was still the perfect experience for me and my growth long into the future. Even those apparently evil moments became the catalyst for my own transformation. She was my master teacher and the perfect soul on more levels than I consciously knew at the time, or maybe even know now. I ran into at least two other masters since that time with Susan that had similar extremes in their behavior. They were beautiful, loving teachers and masters that I had attracted into my life and for which I am grateful. I made the mistake again of placing one of them up on a pedestal like I had with Susan. That one also put himself on his own pedestal, from which he continuously fell and failed his precious subjects. These other masters had that shift in personality at times, which reminded me of the story of Mr. Jekyll and Dr. Hyde. Or is it Dr. Heckle and Mr. Hyde? So, what is this story all about? And how does it relate to shadow and wholeness. Personally, although there were many layers to the lessons received by these masters, one lesson was to be very conscious of my own ego and the risk that I too could have a tendency within me to put myself on a pedestal or allow others to put me there. If I severely judge someone in their behavior, it is also an indicator that I have disowned or am separate from the awareness of that tendency or quality within myself. It is a shadow that I need to embrace, including the light shadow of humility. 
I feel it is also a warning that informs me about my own ego in relationship to my spiritual growth. The negative ego will always try to tell us the story of being better than or less than. When we put others on a pedestal like I did, we make them an inappropriate better than and ourselves a less than. When we knock them off the pedestal, we can have the ego tendency to now make ourselves better than and them less than. The negative ego is our personal Satan. And if not released appropriately, it will rise up and take us out of integrity with what we have aspired to be. Susan and these other masters had not yet dealt with their negative egos. They were somehow not yet aware of the intense shadows that were hidden within them. Those experiences have helped me to be diligent in becoming aware of my own shadows and shining light on them so that the ego does not use this separation against me. I am aware that it is very easy for the ego to tell me or others that we've done all our work and coax us into a better than position over others. My experiences have taught me to be watchful for my own spiritual bypassing where I just focus on positive energies and ignore or choose not to see where I'm out of integrity with love. My sense is that one of the dangers or traps along the spiritual path is to bypass the shadow work, especially what we label as the dark stuff. We are tempted to project those qualities of evil onto others and judge them and their behaviors rather than own these potentialities within ourselves and love ourselves despite them. Instead, many just work on raising their vibration with practices of love, joy, peace, and other feel-good qualities. That's great and is the perfect practice. However, if we do not also choose to shine light on those darker aspects of ourselves in this journey, then the contrast between the shadow and the light within us will get so big and eventually so visible that we will unknowingly become Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Those past masters served to remind me of the consequences of not doing the shadow work and releasing the negative ego. These consequences, I believe, are that no matter what heights of spirituality we have risen to in our path, if we do not deal with our shadows, then they will rise up and we will fall and fail, at least until we have dealt with them and the mess that they create in our lives. We cannot sustain the higher vibrations of love that we aspire to be if we do not love ourselves light and dark unconditionally. My sense is that it is a far less volatile and a balanced path to choose to do the work along the way rather than be forced into the work because of the drama rising from the shadows. It is a practice of awareness, forgiveness, and letting go. We've all seen the stories of a great teacher or preacher that falls from grace. They do great works and gather a huge following around them. But then, 
After a time, they fall into corruption and scandal, and the whole movement they create is lost. I believe that for many of these leaders, they did not start out with the idea that would hurt, cheat, or steal from others, but gradually got coaxed into it by the temptation of their negative egos and unresolved shadows. They started out with good intentions and get lost along the way. They made their negative ego their master and fell from grace. As humans, we have become accustomed to listening to the lies of the negative ego and have made it our master. We can only have one master and choosing the negative ego is choosing Satan as our master. It is a false master that will only lead us to our demise and it will also attract false masters outside of ourselves. May I also suggest that we all have impact on others by what we do or by what we don't do in life. We are all given opportunities in life to be students, teachers, experts, and masters. Who we are or what we do in these roles will have impact on others. It can be positive or negative. While any negative experience can be turned into a lesson or gift by the other, what if you decided as best you can not to be negative and have a negative impact on others? You can accomplish this if you listen to your inner voice of truth, embrace your own shadows, and deal with your negative ego. The more work with shadow that you do, the clearer you'll become to hear and act upon the true voice within you, rather than the negative ego. You'll have a different master. If we listen to the true master within, that still, small voice that is constantly there if we listen and are prepared to hear it, then that voice and its guidance can turn any situation into light that leads us home. It can guide you to create a powerful, positive impact in your world. So-called mistakes or failings through awareness and forgiveness can easily be turned into light and truth with the help of this inner master. Listening to and following the true inner master is our GPS to the shortest route home. As best you can, let it guide you and select any human or non-human teachers and experts to assist you along the way. I hope you found this podcast useful and informative. I hope it helps you in your own awareness of shadow, in the importance of doing this work, no matter where you are on your spiritual path and your path to owning your true power. When you own your true power, then your ego cannot pretend to. If anything I've said today inspires you to start the work of becoming whole again, and you feel that I might be able to help you, then please contact me. If you're stuck somewhere in your life, then you'll benefit by discovering and embracing the shadow or shadows behind it and claiming the power it has for you. If I can serve you on your journey to becoming whole, then email me at wisdomways at gmail.com 
phone me or make an appointment with me. You'll find me at www.wisdomways.net. Thank you for tuning into Wisdom Ways to Living from Your True Power here on the TLRstation.com, powered by Tenacious Living International, where it's all about living outside the box. Have a fantastic day outside the box. Are you ready to claim your authentic power? Visit www.wisdomways.net slash power to gain instant access to Richard's free video course on being powerful. And if Richard said something today that truly impacted you and you'd like to talk with him further about it, please connect with him directly at 403-247-8042. Thanks for listening to Wisdom Ways. Have a great day. Talk with you next week.